Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. Psalm 3312 promises us, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Well, certainly we here in the United States have experienced those blessings for centuries because our nation was founded on Judeo-Christian principles and the truth of God's words, as were many of our laws. We can simply read our history, look into our founding documents or quotes from our leaders to understand their devotion to Jesus Christ and the word of God. But what happens to a nation who disregards God, who makes their own rules instead of obeying and following the word of God? And then the question is, have we become that nation? I'm Debbie Blank. Today, we'll look at the most evil king in all of Judah to see the consequences of his ungodly behavior to himself as well as his nation. And then also look at the blessings when we repent of our sin. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. Elon Musk's recent investigations into the inner workings of Twitter are revealing some alarming information about some of our most important institutions, our government, big tech, the FBI, and the mainstream media, among others. Have our leaders and institutions been faithful to God's standards, or are the problems we're facing the result of following leaders who disregard God, the source of America's blessings? Israel was blessed by God when they obeyed and remained in relationship with Him. It was a conditional covenant— So when evil leaders caused the people to turn away, there were grave consequences. America and its leaders have turned away from God in many ways, and we're seeing the consequences too. Is it too late for America to turn back to the true God who has blessed us in the past? We can learn lessons and even find hope from the history of evil King Manasseh. You know, we are not Israel. We're the United States of America. But the principles we see throughout the Bible— are true to different people and different nations. For example, God said to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 28, in verse 1, he says, It shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all the commandments which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations in the earth, and all the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you will obey the Lord your God. He goes on several more verses talking about the blessings that Israel will receive. And I think you and I can share that, yes, while we have had problems in our lives, we have been extremely blessed by the Lord in so many ways with health and family and so many things as we have truly desired to follow God and obey his principles. God will bless a nation. He will also bless people who follow him. But there's also a consequence. He says in Deuteronomy 28, 15, But it shall come about, if you do not obey your God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, with which I charge you today, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And he spends a lot more verses talking about the curses that we will experience when we turn away from God, the den of the blessings. The blessings are pretty simple. God will take care of us. The curses are lengthy at the consequences that we will suffer. Our God is a merciful, loving God, full of grace and forgiveness and kindness, but he's also a just God. And he judges individuals and nations who turn from him, just as we saw in Deuteronomy 28. 
when you look at Deuteronomy 28, I think as you're reading the blessings, you think, well, this is a no-brainer. Who would ever turn away from such a wonderful God that's going to take such good care of you and all these blessings? And then you read the curses, and that's a no-brainer too. You wouldn't want any of any of the things that are on that list. And yet, repeatedly, Israel turned away just like we do. I read the Old Testament, and I think, how could they have been so dumb to have turned away from God the way they did? And then I look back on my life, and I think, why did I not follow God here? Why did I do something wrong over here? We're human. We're sinners. And when we end up putting ourselves on the throne of our lives, we have the consequences. But when we turn our eyes on Jesus, when we repent and confess and turn to him and obey him, we are so blessed to be in a relationship with God. And Manasseh, the most wicked king of Israel, found that out. So that's who we're going to look at today. As we read the Old Testament, we find out that the most evil king of the northern kingdom of Israel, called Israel, was Ahab. He was married to Jezebel, and I think we all know a lot about Jezebel just because of her name. She was wicked and evil and turned Ahab's heart to following Baal gods and going against the word of God. Well, then in the southern kingdom called Judah, the most evil king there was Manasseh. We want to start today in 2 Kings chapter 21 so we can read about him. Even though he's the most evil king, there's really very little in scripture about him. But what is in here is very clear. We're told Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king and he reigned for 55 years. Think of how easily influenced he would have been at age 12 by his mother, maybe, because it says in here that his mother's name was Hezvizba. Well, it mentions that perhaps to separate him from other people named Manasseh, but also perhaps she was a big influence in his life. So what did he do? We're told in 2 Kings 21.2, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord dispossessed before the sons of Israel. Well, there's a lot right there. He did evil. That means he was wicked. He was immoral. His practices were against the truth of the word of God. And when you think of evil and immorality, you think of where we are today in our culture. The immorality, the sexual contents that we have, the, the latest bill, the Respect for Marriage Act that was just passed, that is immoral in God's eyes. You think of the transgenderism, you think of the slander that's going on in our media and with our political people, the abominations in our country that go against God's truth. You think of how we are calling evil good and good evil. All those things are evil in God's eyes. So what Manasseh did is very similar to what we're doing here in the United States. Now that should be enough to get our attention. Well, I also see the word abominations when we look at that first couple of verses. And we think of that word abomination and we kind of lately shrug it off. I think because it's been associated with homosexuality in the Bible and people like to say, well, sin is sin, all sin is equal. That's true when it comes to needing to be saved. We all are sinners, we all need to be saved, we all need a savior. But there's a reason that the word abominations is put in there. And so there are some of these things that are sins that really, really come to the attention of God in a way where he has to be intervening in it in some way, shape or form. So we see that this is according to the abominations of the nations is how Manasseh was acting. And see, Israel was supposed to be set apart from the nations, and yet they were acting just as the pagan nations were. We as the United States should be set apart because we have a Judeo-Christian foundation. 
but we're acting like all the other nations. We're just doing what we want to do. In 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 3, it goes on to read, For Manasseh rebuilt the high places, which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. So let's stop here. He had a great father who was a godly king in Israel. What a good example. And yet he chose not to follow the example of his father because he rebuilt these high places. High places are the areas where people would go on top of the mountains to offer sacrifices to the Baal gods or to any other god that they chose to worship. Let me repeat that verse now. In verse 3 it says, For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah's father had destroyed. And he erected altars for Baal and made an Asherah as Ahab king of Israel had done and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. So he not only rebuilt the altars, which makes it okay for everybody else to worship other gods when the king is the one who has built the altars in the first place, but he worshipped these gods. He erected altars for Baal and Asher. So he made it again prominent for everybody to follow that. It's like our government enacting laws that are against God's word, but that then make it legal for us to follow them. And he didn't just do that, but he worshiped all the host of heaven. All I could think of there was global warming. We right now have made global warming a form of worship. Much of what our leadership in the United States is doing is based on developing some system of global warming that they think will help stop the problems that we're experiencing in our nature. Well, the problems we're experiencing in our nature could be the result of our sin. We need to look at that. And we also need to consider that the problems we're experiencing aren't just from you and I driving our cars. What about all the airplanes? Those things use a lot of gas. But anyway, what we're seeing here in verse 3 is the same thing we're seeing here in the United States. The building of the altars, the pagan gods. In our case, it's power and corruption, greed, disrespect, slander. The things that we're seeing each and every day as well as the laws that our government is passing, and global warming. Who would think we'd find global warming in the Bible? Well, it is a form of worshiping the earth, where the earth and the goddess of the earth or whatever is is so important that we need to sacrifice to keep that goddess happy. Now, I know that that sounds like I'm making that up, but that is actually some of what people talk about Gaia, G-A-I-A, as being the Mother Earth or the Goddess Earth, so that there is actual worship going on. We're not just making that up. He rebuilt the high places, which means he put back the ones that had been taken down by his father, but he also then erected some on his own. He's going above and beyond restoring the pagan worship that had been destroyed by his dad. He's increasing it. So when you go on into the next thing, the thing that really horrified me after all of that was to know that he put altars for the host of heaven in two courts of the house of the Lord. Tell us about what he did to desecrate the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord, the temple, is where God met with his people. It was the holiest site on the face of the earth. It's where God wrote his name, we're told in verse 4. It says, in Jerusalem I will put my name. And then he says again in verse 7, He says, in this house, that's the temple, and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And yet he erects altars in God's house. That's an abomination to God. That's a slap in God's face. That is putting other gods on the same level as the one true God. It doesn't get any worse than that because the first commandment says, I'm the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. 
And the second is similar in that it says, You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in the heavens above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the sea. And you shall not worship them. He is going completely against the first and second commandments by doing this. But more importantly, he's telling his people that these gods are on the same level as God. I want you to consider that because his father, Hezekiah, was a godly man, and he's not, he's changing everything that his father did. We see that now in our culture. In the United States Congress or in our presidency, when you have a Republican in there, they make decisions one way. When you have a Democrat, they make decisions other ways. And so what they do is they cancel out the previous administration that may have been a different political party. That's what we're seeing here. But here it's spiritual. It's not political, though the decisions that are being made in our country are very much affecting our spiritual development. Well, now we're going to move on to a very familiar verse in 2 Kings 21.6 as to what's happening in our country. It says, And he, Manasseh, made his son pass through the fire. He practiced witchcraft and used divination and dealt with mediums and spiritualists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. You see, God will be provoked to anger when we continually turn away from him. The first thing it says here is he made his sons pass through the fire. What does that mean? It means he killed them. He sacrificed them on an altar for his own benefit. Now, are we talking about his personal sons or the sons of Israel? It really doesn't matter. He sacrificed the children of Israel or his personal sons simply to appease a pagan god. What's that like? It's like abortion. We sacrifice our children on the altar of abortion because it's not convenient for us. Or I got pregnant and I really didn't want to. Or I'm going to school. I can't afford to have a child. Or whatever our reasons are, we're sacrificing our children on our convenience for ourselves. So that means that we have put ourselves on the altar of our lives. We are our own gods, so we make our own decisions regardless of how it affects other people. And in this case, regardless how it affects children. It's just horrific, the practices that are required by these pagan gods. And so we see something so unimaginable to us until you bring it home with abortion and knowing that there are other ways to deal with an unplanned pregnancy. And yet to kill the baby seems to be one of the first things people think to do. And we hope that that's changing and we're praying about that, but it's an evil practice when you consider that you're taking a life. This is the most evil king of Judah. He's doing those things. He's making his sons pass through the fire. Then it says he practiced witchcraft and used divination and dealt with mediums and spiritists. So this is very, I would say, satanic when you think of the kinds of things that are being done in just that one sentence as they describe the things that have evolved from him erecting these altars, rebuilding these altars, and worshiping. There's more required than just worship when it comes to these evil spirits. And when you talk about divination, that often requires drugs. So that could correlate to our drug trafficking today. All the different kinds of drugs we're taking, all of the opioids that people are taking and abusing, as well as the fact that we've made marijuana, an hallucinogenic drug, legal in many states. And if you know anyone who's taken marijuana, it apparently dulls your mind, dulls your senses, so you don't think correctly. Well, God gave us a mind for a reason. He wants us to use it. 
Now, I understand we need and we're blessed to have medicinal drugs that help us overcome illnesses, but we're abusing those for our own benefits. And then we think of mediums and spiritists. What do they do? They tell us what we want to hear. They tell us things that they have no way of knowing just so that they can manipulate us. And I think of that, I think, wow, what about our TV? The movies we're watching on TV, they will show different scenes to promote an agenda so that we will become accepting of that agenda. I think of fake news. We're told things all the time so that people will get us to believe something that is different than what our mentality is or our personal convictions are. And then as you look at all that, I think of the New Age movement that has very much been alive and well in the United States for decades now of how we are turning to any kind of a spirituality that meets our desires, but not a spiritual aspect that meets God's points that he makes in his word. So we see that happening. Then we have, going down to verse 9, it says, They did not listen. And Manasseh seduced them, talking about the people of Judah, to do evil more than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the sons of Israel. So Manasseh seduced them. The leader of the country did what he wanted to do, and he convinced them through his fake news or his promotions or whatever it was he wanted to do, like putting the gods in the temple and other things, that what he was doing was right. He was simply not being a good example to the people, not holding the people to a higher standard, but instead was getting them to do what he wanted them to do in order that he could be seen as perhaps the leader that met the people's needs or gave the people what they wanted. We can see that in Washington today when our government decides that they're going to pay for the college tuition debts that many people have. That's a horrible thing to do, to make people pay for other people's decisions. That's just not even right. But to do so gains the favor of those people whose tuition reimbursements they're paying off. So in effect, they're buying them or they're seducing them for their vote. We have all kinds of political manipulation going on like that these days. Even welfare is kind of a situation like that. We have our government promoting a woke mentality, which is nothing short of an agenda, but it's being promoted. We have our country redefining our history in the books that are being published for our kids to learn where things are being taken out or left out or simply being redefined to meet with a political agenda. So what we see with this most evil king, Manasseh, is the same thing we're seeing in our country today. That seduction has to do, too, with making something look good and right that's not. It's kind of like leading somebody along a path where maybe their instincts are telling them something's not right, and it's changing their mind to make it think that it's right. People aren't thinking that they're doing something wrong. They actually think they're doing something right. If we move over now to the book of Second Chronicles, we see an explanation of a lot of the information on the kings of Judah. And one of those kings is Manasseh. As we look at Second Chronicles chapter 33, pretty much the first nine verses mimic exactly what we just read in Second Kings about Manasseh. But we have more information that's very important to us. So we're going to read Second Chronicles 33, starting with verse 10. It says here, And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. Does that sound like us? God is God. He's speaking all the time to those of us who follow him. 
I believe he's speaking to our leaders too. I believe they know a lot of things that they should be doing and they're choosing not to. Again, we're seeing the same things today as we saw back 2,600 years ago. And by the way, Manasseh was king of Judah from 695 to 642 BC. Now we're going to see a change. Something happened to Manasseh that changed his whole perspective on life. In 2 Chronicles 33, 11, it says, Therefore, the Lord brought the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria against Manasseh, and they captured Manasseh with hooks. They bound him with bronze chains, and they took him to Babylon. Oh, boy, now Assyria, the enemy, has come in. You'll recall that we read last week about how when God's people turn away from him, God will send their enemies to plunder them, to conquer them. And that's exactly what happened here. It says not only did they capture him with hooks, that means they put hooks in his, probably his nose or his ears that they would be able to drag him with. And they bound him with chains and they took him to Babylon. He was taken hundreds of miles away and he would have been put in prison. It tells us in verse 13, when he was in distress, what did he do? Let me stop here. When we're in distress, what do we do? Do we take matters into our own hands, take care of the problem we have, or do we turn to God? In this case, it says, he entreated the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. When life got tough for him, he finally turned to God. All those decades of walking in his own ways and serving other gods, when it came to the tough times, he knew there was only one person who could help him, and he entreated God. He prayed He repented. He humbled himself. That's when you lay yourself low before God, recognizing that you have nothing apart from God. And it says in verse 13, when he prayed to him, God was moved by his entreaty and he heard his supplication. and He brought him again to Jerusalem, to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. You see, God wants to help us when we will repent of our sins When we will turn to God in humility, he wants to take care of us. He wants to help us. He wants to use us. And in this case, he was so moved by Manasseh's humility, true humility of heart, not just an outward sign, but what God saw at the inside of his heart, that he restored Manasseh to his original position. Now you have to know the Assyrians. The Assyrians were not the kind of people that would do that. So for them to restore Manasseh, it was truly a God thing. And it says in verse 14, Now after this, Manasseh built the outer wall of the city of David on the valley, even to the entrance of the fish gate. And he encircled the oval with it and made it very high. Then he put army commanders in all the fortified cities of Judah. So what did he do? He protected Israel. He protected Judah. He protected Jerusalem. Because he saw firsthand what the Assyrians could do if they came and captured the city. Verse 15, He also removed the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord, as well as all the altars, which he had built on the mountain of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem. And he threw them outside the city. And he set up the altar of the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it. And he ordered Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. So he got rid of everything that he had done in Israel that was wrong. He got rid of all the sin, all the evil, all the idols. That's first. And then when he did that, he honored God. It said he set up the altar to the Lord and he offered the sacrifices that God required. And he ordered Judah to serve the Lord also. 
when we looked at that Second Chronicles 33.10, it says, The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. It really stood out to me is because how much attention are we paying when the Lord speaks to us? You see here, even with a very, very evil king and a very evil country at that time, we saw the list of everything that they had done. God still reached out. He reached out to them to try to get them to repent. He does do that even for people who are doing evil. He loves them and he's trying to get them to turn back to him. So he gave them a chance to do it without having these consequences, even after everything they'd done. That's how merciful he was and how patient he was. But a time came when he had to judge. So he made that judgment and he allowed the Assyrians to take with hooks and they got Manasseh and dragged him back. That was a horrific thing. And yet, Manasseh was still given the opportunity, and he took the opportunity to repent and to turn to God, the only one who could save him. So he's the one who caused his people, as a leader, he caused his people, he seduced his people into doing those evil things that he was doing. But at the end, not only did he change and did he repent, and did God give him that opportunity and restored him, but he went ahead then and did all the things that God wanted him to do, and the people got to see all of it. They got to see him take down the altars he built. They got to see him take down everything that he had put into the temple that was an abomination to the Lord. So they did all of those things. They watched him do that. They knew he was sincere, and they were able to follow him so that when he ordered Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel, he had already shown them the way. When we think of today, we look at the horrific inflation that's going on and how it's affecting every single one of us. Perhaps this is God's way of touching us and giving us a little bit of hardship so that we will take a look at what's going on around us and stop and repent. Maybe some of the other things that we're seeing, immorality and COVID and health issues that we're seeing now that we haven't seen in a long time, maybe God's trying to get our attention, just like he tried to get the attention of Judah and Manasseh. I hope we will open our eyes before anything disastrous happens to us, like it did to Manasseh and Judah. So you see, with disobedience, with an evil lifestyle, God will bring enemies to destroy individuals or nations. We know that Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed several years later as a consequence to Manasseh's sin. But we also know that when he repented, God was gracious and he relented and he brought him back and he allowed Manasseh to be the one to turn Israel back again. So what do we learn from a story like this? We learned that God will bring consequences on a nation who turns away from him, on a nation who follows their own ways instead of God's ways, who are evil in their practices. He loves us enough to guide us and give us direction, but that also requires sometimes consequences to our behavior. So we turn to God, just like Manasseh. What turned him to God was when he was in a position we had no place else to go. So if we repent, God will forgive us. And in many cases, he'll restore us like he did here or like he did with Jonah or like he did with Peter when Peter denied Jesus three times. However, oftentimes there's still permanent consequences. When David repented, Uriah was still dead. When David repented of his numbering the people in 2 Samuel 24, 70,000 people still died. So there are consequences that can't be changed, but God will honor repentance. It's time now to repent of our personal sin and our collective sin in our nation. It's time to humble ourselves. 
it's time to take action to change, to bring us into conformity with God and his word. Will you turn to God today for yourself and for your country? Will you repent? Will you ask his forgiveness? Will you humble yourself and then stand back and see what God will do? Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.